Welcome back to Navigating Within. Today, I'm on location at Broadlands Medical Center in Des Moines, Iowa. Broadlands has a dedicated staff of over 1,200 employees with 80 physicians that work together to provide high-quality healthcare that is coordinated, compassionate, and cost-effective. With me today is Susan. Susan is proud to have served as a Broadlands nurse since 1987. She has served in the positions of staff nurse in the Family Birthing Center and OB Clinic, Director of Women's Health Services, Director of Imaging Services, Operations Director for Acute Care, and presently as the chief nursing officer. In this position, Susan is responsible for the coordination, for the coordination of nursing, of nursing services, quality, quality, and accreditation compliance across the medical center. Welcome to the podcast, everyone, and welcome, Susan. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Today, we're going to be discussing infection prevention and broadlands and everything that that encompasses. So I'm going to go ahead and start off by asking you, what are some of the biggest, of the challenges, biggest challenges that you that faced and that broadlands has faced in terms of infection prevention and how did you overcome them? Well, first of all, I just want to mention that much of what we're going to be talking about today is really from Karen Cordick-Smith, who is our infection preventionist. And um, she and I met and reviewed some of the topics today. And so a great deal of what we're talking about today is due to her expertise great. in her role. And so it was, it was good to get her perspective on some of, these, some of these different questions. Kind of three different big challenges related to infection control that we've, that we've noted in the last couple of years. One is related to some of the Joint Commission standard changes and emphasis on the way that we handle instruments. And so that's the used instruments, instruments that would come down from the clinics. We have lots and lots of clinics here at the hospital, as well as the instruments that you might already think of, you know, the OR, that sort of thing. And so we really had to do a lot of hard wiring of the way that we were processing and handling those used instruments. And that was a big challenge, again, just because we're so spread out. So many different clinics, um, working with the staff in those areas, um, working with our still processing department, communicating all of that out last year. And we continue to do audits through our still processing department and provide feedback when we notice that there's something that wasn't brought quite down correctly. Also, um, another huge area for Joint Commission is that of high-level disinfection. What we discovered is we really drilled down into some of the processes in our still processing department were that, you know, people were doing things the right way, but there might, but be, there some might be some of the details that not, that not literally every single person in there was able to relate in the same manner. And so we did some very detailed competencies with those folks. We did some mock surveys um, and drills just to be sure that everybody was really able to articulate the steps for high-level disinfection, Infection, endoscope, endoscope cleaning, clean, all, all of those, those different, different sorts of things, things in a very consistent way. And then probably the third challenge um, that's it's ongoing, and I think everybody faces this one, are just kind of analyzing some of those um, surgical site infection spikes. You know, in general, we're really well below the um, NHSN guidelines for our surgical site infections, but every now and then there'll be a spike. It might just be in a service. It might be a particular quarter. And so then we need to obviously drill down, look at different providers, look at what, what rooms some of these procedures yeah. happen in. And uh, we've done environmental testing in those particular cases. If we were able to analyze a particular room, right up to culturing in the air handlers and different sorts of things like that looking at environmental services and um, play a big role in it for sure huge role yeah um just making sure that everybody is doing that terminal clean the same way and then looking at um, technique technique of of the 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 OR OR team team. 
and doing some observational audits there to see if, if we're able to, to spot any issues. And so those are the sorts of things that I think happen in most hospitals on an ongoing basis. When you talk about engaging as the CNO, how do you engage with your infection preventionist and what does coordination look like across the different teams that you've discussed? Um, she reports right up through me. Right. And so, you know, we talk probably daily or, or <laughs> yeah. you know, every other day, probably at a minimum. Um, she's part of the Nursing Leadership Council and reports there and is part of all the discussions at leadership. So um, I, I think we're, we're able to pull her in there to all of the different processes, different changes, any policies that we're looking at changing. She's right there for all of those discussions. Um, the same thing with the patient safety. She's part of the overall hospital-wide patient safety team. Um, and so she gives reports there and is able to engage folks from all disciplines as, as part of that. And then um, she attends our uh, clinical skills day. Um, she runs a, a station, uh, reviewing, yeah. you know, hand washing and, you know, whatever um, other topics that um, that she's most concerned about um, that particular year. And she's able to get a lot of feedback That's from great. the nursing staff. That's good. As she's working with them one-to-one -one at that skills station. Yeah. And that's really just been very, very valuable. Um, I think not only in identifying new issues that maybe we hadn't thought of before, but also um, finding out how some of the processes and things that we rolled out are working, are working sure. or not working. Or not working, exactly. And, and um, you know, and what changes we might need to, to be able to look at with those. Great. When we talk about um, kind of collaborating with your hospital staff, um, environmental services, we both now play a huge role um, in infection prevention. Do you do... Um, trainings with them or uh, what kind of education is trickled down to environmental services? Um, yeah, Karen meets with them regularly. Regularly. She, she attends their department meetings on a, on a very regular basis and, and provides um, in services, not only on cleaning, um, hand washing, but also any new processes and things that might be going on. Um, and yeah, she's very engaged with, with that group. Exactly. That's great. Obviously, having a clean hospital ties directly to patient satisfaction. Mm -hmm. If your rooms are clean and your facilities are clean, your patients are going to be satisfied. Um, how often is the work you do here at Broadlands noticed by patients and their families? Well, I think it's noticed all the time. Uh, you know, whether we're doing a really good job at it or whether, you know, maybe there's some things that need to improve. Um, they're always noticing. Um, and, you know, and we can see that when we get press candy surveys back. I mean, look at those very, very carefully. Yeah, I was just going to um, ask. Your surveys and stuff like that, you've given to them. and yeah. uh, Absolutely. Um, yeah, all of our inpatients are mailed a press gainy survey after they go home and, and then a sample of our outpatients receive a survey survey great and um, those results are analyzed by the department directors um, by the environmental services director uh, by infection control everyone really looks at those to see if there's some areas that we can pinpoint um, one of the things that we've um that we've really tried to do along the lines is that we have a ultraviolet cleaning system 
it's um, a Zenex. It's like a robot thing. Machine, yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard about it. It comes in and there's some scripting, you know, around, you know, around that, that so that patients know that when that's coming, coming in. There's a huge to, machine coming in, yeah. Use, to use, yeah. to clean their, their yeah. bathroom, um, what it's for and that it's, you know, we're trying to, you know, be sure keeping that we're keeping yeah. them safe. Now, is that robot machine, that ultraviolet, is that... Um, does every room get that or are there certain areas of the hospital that get it more frequently? It's, it's utilized in all of the operating rooms every night. Okay. Um, and then the other, the other patient rooms, it's, there's a schedule, schedule of how often that is sure. used in the other patient rooms. Great. Mm -hmm. Are there any quality improvement projects you've collaborated on with your um, infection prevention director and then also your environmental services staff? Um, yeah, we've, we have uh, several different um, collaborative type of projects. One of them would be in our sleep lab. Uh, the first time that we were accredited by Joint Commission under the ambulatory standards uh, for sleep lab, we discovered that we had a couple of different things that were related to infection control that we needed to really work on there. And one was just again, getting the detail down of the competencies for how we were cleaning and disinfecting electrodes. This particular piece wasn't necessarily so much environmental services as it was the staff up there. Absolutely. There. But, um, but Karen really worked very hard with them and with their supervisor to be sure that um, those processes were, again, hardwired happening every single time. Um, we did end up pulling in environmental services, however, after our joint commission visit, where they noted that we didn't necessarily have all of the documentation in place for laundry for um, the linens that were used in the sleep lab. Mm -hmm. And so they, they wanted a lot more detail there as far as water temperature and the times of certain temperatures were that they were reached and which is some cultures of the, and all when you're talking things. about that with me it's some of the stuff that i don't even i, I don't even think about like the temperature of the water or, sure. or stuff like that sure. you don't even you don't even think about as a patient everything that goes into no no there's so everything. many there's so many different details like that so we really had to work very hard with our environmental services supervisor and getting that wrapped up and, and make sure we had good documentation Great. there. Another uh, piece that um, is, is a project that environmental services is involved in uh, is our implementation of enhanced contact precautions. You know, everyone uses contact precautions. Lot. Yeah, you know that's a, it's a pretty known thing out there. Um, we were looking for something specifically to a, to utilize with patients with C. difficile or with candida aureus, and and so they came up with in collaboration with environmental services and sterile processing a different isolation cart, special signage. It has all the different types of equipment on it and cleaning products that you would need such as bleach and uh, the instructions for you using the correct type of hand washing, that sort of thing that you need if you've got a patient with one of those two bugs. Yeah. Um, and that was a big, a big project that uh, Karen worked on uh, collaboratively with, in, with environmental services. Yeah. So those, those carts or those, whatever you call them, mm -hmm. they, they would have a special designation. So staff was aware that oh, this person in this room had these two things or had Exactly. So it would raise awareness mm -hmm. for you to be more cautious. Exactly. Going in. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. And then did you do any, did you figure out if it, if it worked or how, how did that? It's go? just been rolled out. So we'll just see. Been rolled out. Yeah. <laughs> so great. We'll well, see. I think it'll do yeah. great. Yeah. So, so yeah. Great.
Um, so we're talking about C diff. There's mm-hmm. all kinds. MRSA is a big one. Mm-hmm. How are how is Broadlands able to identify and respond quickly to outbreaks um, and emerging threats? Hospital acquired infections are huge right now, mm-hmm. especially with the growing antibiotic resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you identify and respond to any potential uh, threats at Broadlands? Uh, Karen does ongoing surveillance, tracks our numbers of any of the different antibiotic resistant bugs um, very closely, monitors to be sure that we're not seeing any trends up, that sort of thing. And um, she also works closely with our antibiotic stewardship committee. Great. She's a very active member of that committee to be sure that some of the different different processes that they're rolling out to try to decrease um, the, the possibility of, of increased um, antibiotic-resistant organisms uh, flourishing are, are happening. But then I think another example would be, for instance, when the, the measles um, yeah. cases were out and there yeah. were some potential measles cases even that, you know, we had somebody walked in the door and we, you know, thought maybe they had the measles. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was quite a thing. So in preparation for that, when it was start, just starting to be out there in the news, um, Karen was really very closely monitoring the information that was coming out from the Department of Public Health, the HAN alerts that were coming out. As she got that information, she immediately sent that right out to leadership so that all the clinical folks, our CMO, um, some of the clinic leadership, that everybody was aware that uh, these things were out there and that these were the recommendations for what to do. Just keeping them informed, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And then when we did have um, someone that came in, um, you know, we implemented our usual processes that we had in place already, but um, she also contacted the Department of Public Health for some specific guidance of, you know, what do we need to do a little bit differently if it's measles as opposed to one of these other kinds sure. of organisms sure. that had yeah. processes in place for. Uh, she made sure that we implemented those. We made changes on the fly. Um, she communicated things out to people. All in all, it turned out to be a great drill because they didn't have any measles. But it yeah. was it was a really good thing for us to to improve some of those processes. I think it's super important to be proactive, especially preventing infection, things like that, mm-hmm. just having processes and procedures in place just in case can be being more proactive than reactive right especially with measles and and all the stuff oh gosh yes you know so i i I think that's great yes Uh, are are there any parts of the hospital that require maybe a reevaluation of their infection prevention strategy strategies more often than others um are you seeing kind of uh uh, more trends in certain areas where you're trying to target infection prevention more I think you've, you've always got high-risk areas. Sure. Surgical services is always Surgical, a high-risk yeah. area. So you, you want to always be sure that, you know, those observational audits, that surveillance, that, that competency reassessment, that none of that um, you kind of let up on. Those are things that always have to be on your radar. And then um, in the inpatient units, just making sure that, for instance, our processes to prevent CADI are, you know, in really good shape. Yeah. Karen pulled a group together, another AHRQ project, 
and of staff nurses from both med surge and ICU that she met with a number of a times number of and looked at all those processes, processes made some changes, changes to documentation and kind of retooled the competencies for catheter insertion that sort of thing and also collaborated with IT to be sure that our electronic health record had some hard stops that needed to be there great um, had some had a clinical panel built to make it easy to look at all of those different cardiac prevention pieces at once and and so i think you know she does a great job trying to stay ahead of those things just to be sure that we don't have issues that issues pop that pop up absolutely shout out to her for all her great work yeah. are there any specific staff that's kind of been a little bit more difficult to enforce some of these infection prevention strategies. I know most of the time physicians, you know, we have um, ties that sometimes are, are more prevalent to infections because they're ties, you know, you have a tie, you don't really ever take it off or, or wash it and stuff like that. Lab coats. I read a recent study about lab coats mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So are there any, any issues there? You know, I don't think we've really identified any particular barriers at all here. Everybody's everybody's pretty team oriented and they want the best. Absolutely. The patient. Absolutely. So. What about hand washing? Uh, hand washing is one of those things that is super simple, but how does Broadlands educate their staff on hand washing? I know we mentioned before she had some type of a, a little, uh, what did you call it? It was kind of like a seminar. In seminars, our skills fair. Skills fair. Our annual skills fair. Skills yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. She definitely has a station there for hand washing every year to review that. But you know, there's posters all over. We've got some review in our electronic education system as well. Um, and then we do audits of hand washing. The, the trick with hand washing audits, of course, is that if People know that you're watching, hand washing is going to be fabulous. Yeah. But what we've decided to do is have some of the folks that maybe could be a little more unobtrusive do some of those. So our, our respiratory therapists okay. are great at doing hand washing audits. They're all over the hospital. Yeah. And they're supposed to be all over the hospital. So yeah. you don't think anything of it. As opposed to if I go out there and stand around watching, you know, people, they know I'm looking at hand washing. <laughs> sure. So that's been a really good really thing. Good. And then and we also have, also have a clean hand survey that we give to patients and just periodically for, to small groups of patients. They mark off that they saw people, you know, washing their hands. Oh, okay. That they, they saw people. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Great. So that's, that's good data. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the role that families and visitors have um, when it comes to infection prevention at hospitals is huge. So in your opinion, what role do families and visitors have at Broadlands when it comes to hand washing and other kind of mm-hmm. hygiene things? And how, how can we educate patients and their families on the importance of hand washing and other simple techniques such as that? Well, I think just being sure that they're aware of, of when that should be occurring, when they should be seeing staff um, doing hand hygiene, not only in the inpatient units, but in the clinics too. Absolutely. And providing that information, having posters up, education, um, that set, sort of thing, role modeling it yeah. um, for patients. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me here today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and you guys are doing some great, great stuff here at Rollins in terms of infection prevention. So thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Of course.